Blackhawks fans, welcome into the Fort Feathers podcast. We are back from break. Johnny Nani alongside Tony Marchese coming to you for a little Thursday happy hour action. Tony, how you doing to start the weekend? Johnny, it's uh, it's good to be back. We uh, survived the no hockey for a little over a week there. Um, Ten days. Ten days. Yeah, it long. was. It felt like 84 years, but uh, it's it, it was only 10 days, and it was, yeah. it, it was it was a well-needed break, man. I'm not going to lie. Well-needed break from this this Blackhawks hockey team. How are you, my friend? Yeah, right. I feel like that's a good way to describe it, Um, just especially when you saw what happened last night, and we're going to talk about that and a bunch of other things. I will say I missed hockey for the most part because there was that, you know, kind of span. Um, you had the All-Star break, but like we talked about in our last episode, that was kind of background noise for me even skills competition the game itself whatever the the draft on that thursday that's all fine and dandy i was just glad that uh regular action was back on monday night even though there were only a couple games uh, per night um but that was good leading up into uh the hawks being back last night so um we're gonna talk about that return to action uh the news is now hashtag confirmed you may have read about it over at onhipsportsnet.com winter classic we'll discuss that as well uh connor bedard how he's progressing um other injury updates because blackhawks are always known to have a novel uh, of an injury report um we'll ruffle some feathers do a little salt shaker are, are you segments towards the end and give you a look at what's on tap next with that in mind go over to ontapsportsnet.com for all your chicago sports literature and podcasting needs uh like subscribe on youtube and on facebook there that's so you can join the conversation we can also see your comments on x so make sure you're following us on the socials at four feathers pod at ontap sportsnet Tony, let's dive in and start with the return to action. Uh, like I mentioned, a little 10-day break um, with the All-Star break and then the other, you know, kind of mandated NHLPA uh, break in there as well. Um, so that put the Hawks starting off a home-heavy February uh, with the Minnesota Wild in town last night. Unfortunately, it was more of the same with the scoring woes continuing. Yeah, just not much offense again. I did the first period, man, it was, I think they only mustered, what, two shots on goal um was it one wow it was one you're on mute well johnny's on mute there i don't i don't know if he can hear me but uh johnny was on mute um you back one goddamn shot yeah that's all we got yeah it was not 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 pleasant um the fact that uh they were able to score one goal was uh was was pleasant johnny but again um we talked about this before the break. No counter Bedard, no offense. And that's the same thing that we saw yesterday. Right. And, you know, it's the other injuries, too, that we'll talk about in a little bit here. But a few, you know, notable events that happened in this game. We, we talked through the one shot the first period. Um, Felino scoring the lone goal. That was a pretty play by Kershev, even if he wasn't run exactly uh, how he had intended it. Um, it still ended up being a pretty nice highlight reel goal. And that was cool to see Nick um, score before his brother. And unfortunately it was Marcus Foligno uh, who had a couple of the other uh, notable events in this game of fight. Um, I'll let you break that one down, but then uh, Marcus did end up scoring the deciding goal uh, in this game, but Hey, uh, a little bit of chippiness here. And uh, um, it was in the middle frame uh, with Jared Tenorti and Marcus Foligno dropping the gloves. That's a heavyweight bout right there. It was a heavyweight bout, Johnny. And again, uh, the fights, Jared Tenorti, he's been probably the uh, most highlight reel-esque player on this team outside of Connor Bedard for the fights uh, alone. Uh, I love this bout. This was his second old-school bout of the season. Um, we were at one of them, myself and, and Ron uh, had a perfect viewpoint. I, I know you um, were able to capture some video that we got in the stadium and get it out 
uh, over on the Four Feathers podcast account on, on Twitter over there. But um, this one, Johnny, was fantastic. Uh, Marcus Foligno checks uh, Jared Tenorti into the boards in the corner. Uh, the, the play had sort of went back the other way a little bit, so you didn't really get a good grasp, at least from the TNT broadcast, of what was transpiring or who was sort of jarring at each other. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of a lot of the TNT broadcast stuff that, that took place last night. They also snubbed uh, Jim Corneliuson on the anthem. Uh, I've, I take exception to when they do that, but uh, either way, uh, Tenori got back up, sort of jarred with Felino a little bit, and then you saw these two heavyweights just sort of square each other up for what felt like at least a minute and 30 second round. Um, multiple times, refs were waved off and let the big boys go at it. There was some blood drawn. Uh, it looks like Felino cut up his hand a little bit, maybe caught uh, the ear, the ear flap of the helmet. Uh, yeah. I'm Jared Tenorti cut his ear up a little bit. Um, so there's some, some really cool and tough hockey photos that came out of this bout, but the haymakers that were thrown in this, uh, this showdown, Johnny, were pretty much the story of the game for me in, in terms of Blackhawks highlights. Um, it was interesting also to see Nick Felino sort of sitting there on the bench, like Jesus Christ, what's yeah. going on? Yeah. It's, it's his brother in, in one corner and you've got, uh, the Blackhawks enforcer, Jared Tenorti, on, on the other end. I was sitting there wondering to myself before the game started. I was like, I wonder if these two have ever fought each other. It'd be kind of funny to watch. But then Jared Tenorti steps up and Nick Foligno's uh, spot there and, and, and goes and handles Marcus Foligno. I didn't really declare Jared Tenorti a winner in this one, Johnny. I, it sort of felt like this one goes to a judge's decision, sort of a split decision bout. But um, yeah, it, Jared Tenorti's undefeated in fights this season. <laughs> I feel like this is one that's probably fairly split. If you go and look at the hockeyfights.com rating, uh, when they have people go on and, you know, judge who won the fight there, uh, some of them could be lopsided and they're obvious, you know, which guy won the fight, you know, who basically who drops them at the end, uh, getting who's gassed and whatnot. I feel like Marcus Flino will probably get a little bit of an edge in this voting just because of the blood drawn to Tenorti's ear because hands cut up in fights. That's pretty common, especially with guys uh, not being allowed to take their helmets off um, before they go at it like they used to. So, um that, that's kind of what i view it as but in your mind yeah it is hawks fans here for our pride we're going to maintain that jared tenorti is undefeated in fights i've got some questions yeah i've got some questions for you on that though johnny like in in terms of the not being allowed to take your helmets off to, i understand that the concussionary reasons behind this but does it does it change the dynamic of these fights for you in your mind versus good old-fashioned you know dropping the helmets dropping the gloves right. I mean, yeah, I mean, you saw definitely more shots connect right to the head, but then that's also part of what leads to those concussion issues in CTE, which is such a big, you know, um, issue that people have with contact sports in general, not just hockey, right? Um, so I feel like you just got to be more strategic with where you land. Uh, you Uppercuts, way better. You're getting a chin. There's nothing there unless the guy's wearing a bubble. And if you're wearing a bubble, you're not fighting. So, um, you know, that, that's – it does – change things you're right but um overall i mean it's probably better for the guys long-term health-wise um that they i'm just wondering if the if the blood draw was actually due to you know part of the helmet clipping the ear uh on that one land that that cut both of them at the same time there so you've seen some hand injuries felino himself uh nick the you know the nick version of the felinos uh he busted his hand up in a fight yeah most likely connecting with the helmet there um, just a few weeks ago that kept him out of the lineup for a little while. So 
I've been thinking about that with, with the helmets in the fights. You I mean, you're punching some plastic and all that yeah. stuff right there. It's, it's not pleasant, but um, you know, we're protecting the player's head. I get it totally, but uh, we've seen some hand injuries go down now as a, as a repercussion of that. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, you talked about a couple of the um, sort of like uh, meme worthy sort of moments, and that's what we got to pull away from these. And we only have one goal highlight and maybe a couple of Peter Mrazek saves to talk about um in a game like this we got to take what we can from these like viral moments so i love the video of nick nick felino being zoomed in on watching his brother fight with his teammate jared tenorti that that's a good reaction one and then also the one with tenorti's ear bleeding i shared it out from four feathers earlier it's when you listen to a chris foster's call right he wasn't on the call last night but that is now the meme that i will use for that whenever i hear and a score in the future tony I was upset that we didn't get Chris Vosters last night. It was I texted you on my way home from the city last night. <laughs> said I can't wait to hear. I hope I hear and to score three times uh, tonight. Uh, obviously, that wouldn't have even been the case. Blackhawks only uh, with that goal, but um, you know it was it was the TNT broadcast. I thought it was okay, but there were some some things that I missed from the NBC broadcast. Well, uh, I had when, when we go out to TNT. I, don't I know had John. You. John and Troy on per usual. That's that's my son. Your creature had it. Yeah, I, I pull up that's so that's the audio. Um, yeah, from visual standpoint, I don't know. It, it was is what it is. I, I know what to expect from TNT. So I didn't really notice anything. Once again, I, I enjoyed the John and Troy having them back in my airwaves. Um, that, that was one good thing about the Blackhawks being back um, last night. All right, last few notes from this game, Tony. Uh, Peter Mrazic uh, gave him a chance. Once again, this is another running storyline here. Um, 23 saves on 25 shots, maybe not the same volume that we've seen from uh, in past games, but um, you, you got to respect the effort. And he also had a poke check uh, that kind of yep. made a little bit of highlight reel there too. Um, you know, Maybe it was a little bit uh, sketchy at the end there as the puck may have, you know, it gets pushed a little bit further. Maybe that's going in around him and you're getting on the bad end of a highlight reel, but he was able to make that work. And it's just night in, night out. He had a little bit of a scare earlier when Marcus Foligno crashed into him earlier. And Tony, I feel like everybody, all Blackhawks fans are holding their breath out of, I, you want Peter Mrazic to be all right. Cause we've seen Alex Daylock get bold last season and be out for, you know, uh, months with concussion yep. issues. And then you didn't want to see Arvid Soderblom come into the game. That's for sure. No, you didn't. I actually felt like for all intents and purposes, the Hawks were in this one yesterday uh, through the thick of it, which was impressive. Um, but, you know, it, it starts to come back to that uh, that scene from The Departed. Um, you know, I'm the guy who does his job. You must be the other guy. That's Peter Mrazek and Arvid Soderblom. Um, Mrazek has kept this team in so many hockey games that they probably shouldn't be in, um, especially with the the litany of injuries that we've had, the the terrible goaltending that we've seen from others. Um, you know, I'm surprised that we haven't sort of shuffled some stuff up. I haven't really looked recently at what's going down at the AHL level in terms of uh, goaltending and, and who's riding what, but um, it's it's bad if, if Peter Mrazek goes down, man. Could you imagine a couple of weeks without him right now? It would it would just feel that much worse. It's not like we're winning games. Like we're, <laughs> we're tanking effectively, but there, there needs to be some semblance of, of good things to watch just to keep you sane. And Peter Mrazek has been that all season. 
Yep, right. Um, I think it's a perfect summation of it. And, it, you know, it feels like we could apply this sort of discussion to so many games, especially ones before the break. Because now, Tony, with, with this next, uh, the, this uh, most recent game, uh, results turned in, uh, Hawks have scored 11 goals in their last 11 games. That ain't going to get it done. And we know the, the source of this, it's injuries, especially Connor Bedard. And we'll talk about him a little bit more um, in, in a few minutes here. But uh, last note from this one is Jason Dickinson. Uh, Charlie Muliotis saw him walking into the x-ray room after the game. I apparently blocked a shot late. Uh, it was in his foot, Luke Richardson said, and he was just sore. But he misses practice today. And that it's like your other bright spot like we were talking about him as a potential all-star replacement right so while luke richardson you have to take him at his word for it right now it's going to be telling if jason dickinson is out there for morning skate on friday right it is and this is just not what you want to hear i know that there was some um talk about uh dickinson missing practice too a couple days prior when we were coming back from the break uh, I believe he missed the first practice. I'm not yeah. sure exactly what uh, yeah, that was all about. Maintenance and didn't maintenance, yeah. whatever. Um, so you, he's probably pretty banged up at this point in time, Johnny. I would I would assume um, just the season at this juncture. Um, so things are starting to wear on some guys. He's had to carry a lot of extra minutes this season. Yeah, um, drawing the top to, matchups too. So yeah, so um, I'm fine with I'm fine with him missing a, a game or a practice there. It's if we're starting to get into the game action stuff. Bedard, I know we'll talk about that in a second. When he comes back, it's going to be such a lift for everybody in this organization. But right now, he's one of those guys that you can sort of like count on to potentially give you some sort of offense um, in the Blackhawks forward group. And if he's down, it's it's just another one of these things, man. I've never seen anything like this in um, – in all of my hockey watching years, I've, I've seen it on, a, on the baseball side right. <laughs> with our, with our beloved Chicago White Sox, Johnny, but not, not this with, with the Blackhawks. Yep. So we'll have to see, uh, stay tuned at four feathers pod, uh, on the socials. Uh, we'll let you know what Jason Dickinson's status is for Friday night's game. All right, Tony, we mentioned Connor Bedard. Let's talk about him. We have to, uh, he, he, he appeared over this break, uh, at NHL all-star weekend, uh, guest passer during the skills competition. Were you uh, surprised to see him out there or was this telegraphed? This was telegraphed from a mile away. Um, maybe even farther than that. The fact that Connor Bedard got injured, you knew, um, he wasn't going to be playing in the all-star game. As soon as you heard the words fractured jaw, um, that was obviously, uh, something that Gary Bettman and the NHL wanted to include him in uh, from a rating standpoint. Uh, that's that's very clear. There's a lot of things going on right now. I've seen some headlines about, you know, Blackhawks overkill again, starting to take over the NHL. Sorry about it. Get the, but Get the salt shaker out. Yeah, sorry about it. But Connor Bedard is the next star that this league wants to promote. So seeing him out at the All-Star game, um, doing some festivities, taking photos, um, suiting up on the ice, all the photo op stuff that he's able to do because he's progressed to that point in time. I'm sure doctors were involved in um, decisions to let him go out and, and do certain things um, that he was able to do. Uh, you wish it was a full participant in the skills competition, but obviously the you know hardest shot stuff and, and different activities that were in um, those events probably you know, eliminated him uh, from a medical perspective. So I thought it was nice that the league got him out there, but Johnny, it felt just sort of like that tease, you know what I mean? Like it, it felt 
it's it felt like you wanted more from Connor Bedard. You saw him on the bench there uh, during these competitions, just sort of looking out, and you sort of feel for the guy because um, I think we all knew Connor McDavid was going to win this thing, but. Bedard probably wanted to put on a show and I felt bad that he couldn't participate. So it was almost, I think in, in some ways good for Bedard to sit there and take that all in as a spectator, very close to this stuff to see the type of things that he's going to have to you know do in his career and what this is all about. Um, on the other end of that, like I want to see the showcase as a Blackhawks fan, as a hockey fan, I want to watch Connor Bedard out there doing these things. And so I'm, you know, tuned in for a little bit of this and, you know, seeing him there just sort of was like, man, I wish that he was fucking out there. Why can't we have nice things? Right. Yep. You know? uh, I, yep. I'm right there, right there with you. I think it was, uh, you know, kind of uh, telegraphed in the sense that Sherwood um, had mentioned that he was going to be at some events and doing some signing there. And then he also, there was, I think there was like a little bit of a hockey like demonstration uh, camp sort of thing for kids that he was running up there as well. And then he also accepted his uh, IHF male athlete of the year award um, for his stellar showing previously in the world juniors. So um, a litany of reasons for him to be there. Like you'd said, wish he would have been actually participating especially in the skills competition, but it is what it is with the injury timeline. So, um, you know, he made his appearance. Uh, NHL probably did the best they could working him into anything that they uh, could possibly get, get him on screen for there. So um, I think the biggest thing that will come away from that is him sitting there and probably talking with Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon um, for an extended period of time while the other guys were going during skills competition. You kind of saw some of those videos, images of that. And obviously Sidney Crosby being his favorite player uh, and you're learning from some of the best in the league. You could argue that Nathan McKinnon is the best player in the league this year. So um, th that's probably beneficial for him as well. Like you said, kind of a future outlook standpoint there what it takes to be a star. So, all right. Uh, he was part of another announcement, Tony. This was now hashtag confirmed uh, mm -hmm. during the early game on Wednesday's TNT broadcast. Blackhawks will be having the winter classic at Wrigley field in 2025. Uh, this was another thing that was kind of telegraphed from miles away with Elliot Friedman reporting earlier in the month around the conclusion of this year's winter classic that the Hawks would be hosting it. Uh, they're running it back at Wrigley. Connor Bedard was out there on the field announcing this um, on TNT yesterday. Uh, thoughts on the uh, Hawks getting this again here? Um, I love it. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that think it's overkill. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who want to make an argument that the Hawks aren't ready uh, to be on this stage. Um, those are all fine and dandy. Uh, yes, the Hawks have played in a ton of uh, winter classics, stadium series games, outdoor games, what have you. Uh, yes, the Blackhawks are not a premier team in the league right now and chances are they're probably not going to be a premier team in the league next season either that's just sort of the writing on the wall that said i like the premier events uh for young Connor bedard kevin korchinski alex vlasic some of these younger guys to get the spotlight on them because guess what at a certain point in time this group is going to need to take the next step they're going to need to play in front of heavy national audiences and in, in big games. And these are bonding moments for this team. If you're a Blackhawks fan, you should be excited that uh, they get the opportunity to do this. It doesn't translate to immediate success um, at all. Uh, the Hawks have fared terribly in outdoor games. This is a different era though. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, the blues, what their lineup is going to look like next year, you know, is still out for debate as well as the Blackhawks lineup. So I don't want to get into the game talk yet, but, 
I think from just the sense of getting them, you know, national stage games at this juncture in their careers is going to help grow them as a team, um, have more microscope on it. And guess what? It's good for the NHL. People don't want to hear it, but it is good for the NHL. All of the Chicago Blackhawks fans that are out there are going to tune into this game, which is going to help drive TV ratings. People are going to hate on it online on Twitter. And guess what? Those impressions still count towards people talking about it. Makes it a newsworthy event, whether you like it or not. Um, I, I love that we're at the center of it. It feels good to be part of an evil empire at, at certain points, Johnny, just because guess what? Most of my other teams aren't. So if people want to hate on the Blackhawks, by all means, bring it. Uh, Connor Bedard is here. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. And I expect more uh, promotion for events and stuff. You saw what they already did with him at the All-Star game when he's injured. It's not going to stop the league from putting a product out there to target a specific audience because people like watching Connor Bedard play hockey. That's been the mantra of this entire season. If you look at TV ratings, if you look at all this stuff, it was a smart decision by the league. If people want to cry about it, they can cry about it. But, you know, you got to do what's best for business here. And what's best for business is putting Connor Bedard on display. Yep. I'm uh, going to piggyback right off of that and say that this is the Connor Bedard show. He used their ratings driver, right? His game, his debut in the NHL was the most viewed game of this regular season. And that is a departure from the norm because the winter classic historically since its inception has been the most viewed regular season game. So guess what? The NHL needs to compete with these other leagues. Football is only growing in popularity. Look at all the Taylor Swift stuff going on with the NFL. The college football playoff is expanding next year. Mm -hmm. um, there's going to be more playoff teams in there and more events that they will also have to compete with here. We'll talk about the scheduling of that in a little bit here. This is the Connor Bedard show just flat out. And I'm going to say, I, you know, some people might argue this and say, oh, well, it's just Blackhawks favoritism. And they had the history of the, you know, the dynasty of the 2010s and all of that uh, playing into this decision here. Sure, that helps with the popularity and the eyeballs that you're going to get on this event. But I guarantee if the Columbus Blue Jackets had won the draft lottery last year, they would be trying to line up a game in uh, in Cincinnati or wherever, Cleveland, somewhere nearby. What I don't know what Columbus people would prefer somewhere in there at one of those stadiums to get the Pittsburgh Penguins playing there, you know, Sidney Crosby against Connor Bedard, if he was the Blue Jackets. If the San Jose Sharks won the NHL draft lottery last year, they would be clearing out Levi Stadium or, Can or uh, not Candlestick, uh, uh, Oracle Park out there in San Francisco and getting that thing ready for, for California team's game involving Connor Bedard with the San Jose Sharks. That's just is what it is. Mm -hmm. So he's on the Blackhawks. They're going to get the event. Accept it. That's, that's the rationale. That's the reasoning behind it here. Um, the, I'll just leave it at that. You brought up all the other good points about it. I don't need to hammer those home anymore, but I just wanted to say my piece on that because I truly, genuinely believe that um, that would have been the case. And it just so happens to be that he's on the Blackhawks. So um, let's talk a few, uh, you know, kind of details about this one. Uh, Skokes brought up a good point in the comments here. We'll get to that in a second. But um, venues at Wrigley Field, we know that they're running it back. They're not going with a new venue. Um, obviously, NFL season still in play there. So Soldier Field probably was not on the table there, Tony. Um, with this, there's no date set here. Obviously, baseball stadiums open all, um, you know, winners, so they can do it whenever they really wanted to. But 
think about what they're competing with. Like we just talked about those ratings being so important. I'd mentioned the college football playoff expanding next year. Well, guess what? On New Year's Day next year, the Peach Bowl, the Rose Bowl, and the Sugar Bowl, all quarterfinal games for the expanded 12-team college football playoff will be taking place on New Year's Day. It's not just your standard New Year's Six Bowls that used to just include the Rose Bowl um, and then the other ones that happened earlier on in the day. Um, so competing with that, don't know this moves it to New Year's Eve because there's only one quarterfinal game. That's a possibility. Could you um, see it under the lights on New Year's Eve? Doubt it, because that'll still be prime Rose Bowl. They're, they're not going. The Rose Bowl stays at its time, and you would be conflicting with the end of that, which I guarantee more people will be watching that than the NHL. I mean, just look at this last year. This happened before um, the, that Rose Bowl, which was a um, semifinal game for the college football playoff this year, and you saw what the ratings happened. Granted, fanfare around it, Seattle, West Coast Market, Vegas. You'd hope that the Stanley Cup champions could drive a little bit more, but fact of the matter is people were tuning in to watch Michigan and Alabama, not the Seattle Kraken and Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, true. And this is I'm not a big football college football guy, Johnny. So um, you know, pardon me if I don't know exactly what all the bowls are um and, and where they line up on uh TV scheduling, but it, it's football, it drives massive viewership. Um you bring up a good point here. Um, you might see a little bit of a shift in in terms of when they when they play this game. What do you think it's going to yep. be? I, I think New Year's Eve could be a target. Um, they've also done it on January second. If you remember when the last time the Blackhawks and Blues played a Winter Classic at Bush Stadium, it was on January second. I yep. forget exactly what the um kind of conflict was at that. I time believe it was over a weekend but... too, and they played it uh, on a Sunday. Correct. I, that's a good guy. I'd have to pull up a 2017 calendar. I'd have uh, to, I'd have to as well. One on that, but uh, just so you know, there's no set date. So while, you know, it's standard that it happens on new year's day, that's not set in stone. The date and time will be announced uh, at a later date. All right. Skokes brings up a point here. He says, uh, love the Hawks getting it. Just didn't want to see the blues again. Give us someone different. Um, I think they're playing into the Cubs Cardinals rivalry here with this game being at Wrigley field. So I understand that kind of made sense logically from that standpoint, would you have liked to see another opponent in this instead of the Blues? You know, I I like this rivalry setup in terms of Winter Classic matchups. Um, obviously, you've seen the, the Detroit Red Rings. You've seen the St. Louis Blues in these events already. Um, you had the um, sort of added aspect here, and I think that what they're pitching for is the rivalry between the St. Louis Cardinals and the Chicago Cubs in this matchup, uh, bringing a St. Louis team into Wrigley Field. They've already brought Detroit in to Wrigley. This would sort of add um, a little bit of an option for St. Louis fans who want to come up and watch their team play in a uh, in a matchup here. Um, so I, I get why uh, you would extend uh, the uh, offer, I guess, to the other team, uh, being St. Louis in this scenario. Would I rather see anybody else? That's an interesting question. Um, I, I, I sort of would like the Nashville Predators, if if I'm being honest, just because I don't like them a lot. And I feel like it's time to beat them in some other, you know, penultimate type event. That said, um, it's going to suck no matter what. If, if the Hawks lose, I feel like it would suck more for me as a fan if they lost to Nashville. Then again, it's going to be in Wrigley Field. We'll touch on that again in a second. But 
I, I really feel like they're playing towards that Chicago St. Louis rivalry with this, just from a rating standpoint. Um, I don't know if Nashville has the national attention that you would get uh, versus uh, a franchise like St. Louis and, and sort of the history behind that and what you're trying to draw out from an audience perspective. Um, other teams that I can see, you know, we've already done stuff with, uh, with Pittsburgh. I believe that was, uh, the soldier field game. Um, you mentioned bringing Sidney Crosby in against, uh, Connor Bedard and, and them, you know, that relationship that's there, I could see where that would be an option. Um, uh, but if you're trying to bring in like the biggest ratings factor, um, the New York Rangers come to mind. Yep, you read my mind. I was going to bring that up. Um, I feel like that maybe was not on the table with this kind of uh, showcase that they're doing outdoors at MetLife Stadium uh, with those metro area teams um, being mm-hmm. involved there, th- that being the Devils, Flyers, Islanders, and uh, the Rangers there. Um, one could argue that if you wanted to you know, go original six and draw on the Canadian viewership, um, the Montreal Canadiens. However, there's no real baseball connection there. I feel like when they play it at a baseball field, they'd like to have some sort of, you know, um, connect right. on that front. So th- those are the only ones I can think of. Um, other than that, you know, what Dallas stars, but they, you know, they had it in 2020. Uh, they hosted at the cotton bowl down there. So um, it's, it is what it is. I feel like the, you know, it being at Wrigley field kind of dictated that it had to be, <laughs> you know, one of the teams with the baseball connection and for the home team that plays there 160 or you know, 81 times a year, it's the St. Louis connection. So that just is what it is. Uh, good point though, Skokes. I think it's, you know, fit, fair, fair criticism uh, of it. If you're going to have uh, something to say about the event. So um, we'll get a little bit more on Wrigley field a little bit later, Tony. Um, let's talk uh, the reason for Blackhawks getting this Connor Bedard. When's he coming back? I feel like we discuss this every time here. Um, Luke Richardson has been adamant, sticking to that initial timeline of six to eight weeks. Uh, he says, as much as Connor Bedard wants it to be earlier, it's probably still going to be no earlier than the six-week uh, mark of his uh, recovery timeline. So now we are amidst um, this stretch here where it's two to four weeks away, Tony, from that. And his doctor's appointments are on Monday, so take that from earlier this monday was probably his last check-in we're in the middle of this week here on february 8th talking about this we'll get another check-in next week and that should probably be the second to last one before our project our predicted dates uh come into play tony and if i'm right and that doctor's appointment goes well in two weeks i think that game against the philadelphia flyers on that wednesday 21st is very very good um you know, possibility, especially leading into the weekend that will culminate with Chris Chelios's Jersey retirement ceremony, which was your prediction. Yeah. And you're no Stranani on this stuff. So I, I really trust your judgment. I, I would say that uh, hopefully, and this, I, it's not that I want him to come back later and make a triumphant return um, in this game. I'd like to see him on the ice as soon as possible, just for my fucking sanity. And I'm sure your fucking sanity and everybody else's sanity um, that watches Chicago Blackhawks hockey. The sooner he gets back, the better. But the one thing that we don't want is is any sort of re-injuries, any sort of stuff. But I want him to get it back out there, knock the rust off, uh, and put on a show in that uh, game against Detroit. So uh, the sooner he's back, the, the sooner that can happen. Um, I did see that note about the doctor's appointments being on Mondays. That is the first one, though, where he's in that return window. 
Um, we have seen players held back like a week just out of extraordinary precaution. Um, but I would say it's, it, I know it's a heavy home schedule this season. I would say he's getting close to the point where if we were on the road, he'd be traveling with the team, potentially just getting back in game routine within a week here, even if he's not fully cleared yet. Um, we've seen that before in the past or, or they stay back and sort of keep training at fifth third ice arena. But um, I mean, he, he's right around the corner. He looked good um, at the NHL all-star break. I was surprised by that. Um, it didn't seem super severe for somebody that just went, underwent surgery um, and is, is coming back from these things. You remember Jared Tenorti uh, had that broken jaw last year and it just looked, it, you could tell, right? Like, you can tell that there was something going on with the, with his face. Bedard looks like he was uh, very lucky in this incident and was able to talk and do all these other things. So, um, you know, you're happy that he just didn't have to have his mouth wired shut for an extended period of time and, you know, sipping, you know, milkshakes for six weeks and then having to do all this recovery. So, you know, it seems like we've avoided the, the worst case scenario, which was missing the rest of the season. I'm just thankful we're, we're going to be seeing Connor Bedard uh, grace the ice at the United Center again fairly soon. Right. Uh, that's a good roundup. Uh, only thing I'll add is that um, with it not, you know, a lot of times when you talk about um, guys possibly being, you know, held back a little bit to get them in the rhythm, a lot of that comes with skating, conditioning. He's been able to do all of yeah. that, right? Because uh, it was like just a week after uh, that he had the procedure that he was back actually skating, obviously not at full go um, and with restrictions, wearing the bubble, not being able to take slap shots. Well, guess what? He's progressing in those areas as well. seems like he can clench a little bit more um, as he was taking some slap shots per the video provision provided by um, Ben Pope, Charlie Miliotis, Tracy Myers, all of them uh, taking him in skating in a non-contact capacity. And then he's also now joined the actual team drills that are non-contact yep. ones in terms of, you know, rushes or any offensive drills that they may have uh, where there's no chance of him, you know, getting hit out there and still wearing the bubble to protect that job. But um, that means in my mind, the conditioning is going to be there and it will quite literally just be a matter of are the bones settled, which Luke Richardson is referenced and got, you know, I, you know, I feel for this as much as I do Connor Bedard's, you know, you, you don't want anyone to get injured in the game, but it happens as it's part of the game. And he's, you know, looks like he's young and resilient and pushing through it right in his recovery. I feel bad for Luke Richardson having to answer the same damn questions every day in a new way. That's who I feel bad for in this situation. And I know the reporters are just doing their job. They're getting yep. the people the answers that they want because we're all wondering. We sit here on this show weekly and talk about when's Connor Bedard coming back. But I wonder if Luke Richardson, by the end of this, is going to like pull out some jokes on the reporters. I think that'd be pretty funny. You know, he seems like the type of guy to do so. Um, but this is this is getting down to the point where, you know, you start to run out of creative ways to answer the same question over and over again. Um, We'll see what Richardson can pull out of his hat here. Yeah, he, 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 he made this up, pretty fun. Yeah, he brought up the other one, like you're talking about, you know, how far along Connor Bedard is. He said, "Oh yeah, I don't know if he's eating like a mouth, uh, like a mouthful of like nuts or anything like yet." <laughs> so it's, I feel like we're getting we're getting to the stage. Luke Richardson's reaching his breaking point on some of these, and not you know, he'll gladly answer the questions. But like I said, it's over and over and over. It's like Groundhog Day, right? That just passed. <laughs> I'm sure it's not just reporters asking him too. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, he's got family members, friends. When, when's Connor coming back? When's Connor coming back? That's probably the, the most asked question uh, to Luke Richardson at this point is when yeah. is Connor coming back? Um, 
Well, when he's hashtag back, I'm sure Mr. Richardson will be uh, a very happy man. Yeah. All right. Uh, other injury updates on this front. We had talked about Jason Dickinson. I think, uh, you know, that, that blocking the shot late in Wednesday's game. We'll have to see Friday morning. So check the Four Feathers pot account for updates on that front. Other than that, Anthony Beauvillier seems to be the only other one that's making some strides uh, rec- recovery-wise that we can actually physically see. Um, he, he was out on the ice in non-contact capacity, skating with that side group, which included Connor Bedard. Um, initially had a brace on his left wrist. I think he broke it clean, to be honest with you, in that that game at Nashville um, when I watched the replay of that hit, but uh, that seems to be off as he was doing a little more passing and shooting today. So that, that may be a return around the corner here. Other than that, do you buy it or not? Luke Richardson says Andreas Athens CU is expected to start skating soon. This is now going on three months, almost to the day that he's been <laughs> sidelined. And it was revealed in mid January that he had gro- a groin procedure a little while back, worked with the doctors that helped him through some of that in, yeah. um, back when he was with LA are we actually going to see him or what he's a huge mystery man like I don't understand this we were very clear about what happened to Connor Bedard we were very clear about what happened with uh Taylor Hall we've been very clear on specific injuries and then there's other guys it feels like Johnny that like we just don't know anything and we're not told how, why, what, where. Andreas Athanasiu is one of those guys. I was beginning to think that he was just done for the season and they didn't want to say anything. Um, who knows? I, I can't I can't buy that he's going to start skating and then make a return by the end of the season. What did he say? A couple weeks from now um, that he was going to start skating again? That, that could the, mean the most recent update. And once again, vague, the most recent update, I believe it was Tuesday was soon. Soon. Okay. So soon could be a week. It could be two weeks. Um, right. How much long, how much longer do you need? Mid March return. Does that make any sense for you know, him coming back? You, like I feel like bring, it's sort of past the point of no return. You, you bring up a good point because I wonder about him, a guy who has had issues with the same area in the past and relies on speed as a major part of his game. We know this guy can fly when he's right. He's one of the fastest. Yeah. He's probably the fastest skater on the team. One of the fastest in the league. Does this affect, like, is, is this going to like cook his style of game having this, you know, a lingering nagging injury? Then on the other flip, flat, flip side of that, we've seen a guy, obviously, different position, but Peter Morazic, we thought groin issues would be a lingering thing here, and he's been able to stay mostly healthy this year. I just don't know, and I think it, you pose a good question that is it even feasible for him uh, to be back, and if he does come back at some point in like mid-March, is it worth it for him, jeopardizing potential you know future of his career here? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Is it, uh, what's his contract at right now? He's, he uh, he's got one more year because he signed yeah. a two-year deal prior to the season. So, I mean, it, it, at this point, like, we're just sitting here, two dudes on a podcast, Johnny, but why not just shut him down for the season, let him strengthen condition, train his way back, and then, boom, it's next year you go in to, you know, training camp, particularly healthy, and – uh yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious where we stand at this point in time and in the standings. What is the what is the reason to bring him back 
I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It will, we'll have to see if that soon even comes to fruition. Um, I feel it's not it as long running, but I feel like we're getting the uh, Alonzo Ball treatment here. On this, of, front. Yeah. <laughs> this is the Alonzo Ball uh, version of the Blackhawks, at least in a condensed form here. So our guy stole it. Breeze and had a good comment there. He says, happy to not see you this season. Clearly, it's a significant injury. Hasn't yielded for some time. Nothing to gain uh, this season uh, to come back. So. Um, next season he comes back like Blackwell still at freezing ads. Thank you for the comments. Appreciate that. Feel like that's a realistic outlook, but we'll see. Once again, stay updated on the X slash Twitter at Four Feathers Pod with us over there. All right, uh, Tyler Johnson's back. That's the only other one. Uh, looks good. Sounds like he broke a few bones in his foot uh, back on New Year's Eve. Missed a little over a month, so I'm sure that break was helpful for him getting back in the mix. All righty, Tony. Time for one of our favorite segments, and it's Ruffle Some Feathers. And you had said we are going to circle back on Wrigley Field. I'm going to circle back on Wrigley Field here. The physical layout of Wrigley Field is terrible for hockey, and I would not pay to go to the Winter Classic because I'm not paying for the prime seats that are going to get you the best view of the ice there. Um, I know they do have video boards now, so that will probably make it a little bit better for the in-stadium experience. But even if you've ever been to a baseball game sitting up along that like third base or first base way back in there, like tucked under the concourse there. Not a great view. You've got poles, the stanchions in the way. Um, if you're out in the bleachers, I'm sure that atmosphere in terms of experience would be excellent. But once again, you're looking over boards. You've got uh, the logos that are going to be on the field, and it's going to be tough to see exactly what the hell is going on there. And you're having a worse view of the video boards from there. I wouldn't pay uh, to go to Wrigley Field. What I would do go to the bars around there would be part of the game day atmosphere there and i feel like that's very kind of uh cub like uh you know in, in true cubs fashion there <laughs> not actually go to the game uh but be part of the atmosphere there but that's fine uh, i you know may, maybe i'll piss off some people but wrigley field is you know it's historic i'll give it that but other than that there's been a lot of discourse on on Wrigley Field on uh the podcast i've been on this past week i you know i, I know that uh Matt Crawford over in White Sox Twitter is a big Wrigley Field guy. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not a big Wrigley Field guy, Johnny. I've been there once um, for a corporate event. Uh, I lasted about five innings there, and uh, I exited the ballpark early. Uh, did not enjoy my time there very much. Um, that said, I, I've got a decision to make when it comes to Winter Classic next season. I did not go to any of the outdoor games. I've never been to an outdoor hockey game. Um, I've got to sort of check off a, a, a ballpark. One of my goals is to, you know, hit every ballpark. I'd like it to be like, Hey, the only time I had to step foot in that building, cause I can just erase the corporate event. We'll, we'll just forget that that happened. Um, and I can mark down in my, in my memory book, Hey, I got to see the Blackhawks play hockey there. And I can check that off the ballpark list. And then just sort of move on from there. I feel like it washes away the stains um, that were there before. So I've, I've got a decision to make. I think I might try and attend. We'll see. It's sort of an ongoing battle process. I wish that this event was held elsewhere. I'm with you uh, on this one. I understand why they're doing it. Uh, I understand that uh, even our guy, Pat Kamiski, uh, wrote about this at ontapsportsnet.com. Um, the, you know, the top five options. Um you know, I, I sort of liked the Lambeau field option. I liked uh, a, a potential uh, guaranteed rate uh, Comiskey Park option. I thought it would have been cool to uh, do some tailgating as we do with, before Sox games normally, Johnny, out there before a, a Hawks game would have been really fun. Um, getting to Wrigley Field is, is, is a pain in the ass. Um, trying to uh, 
um, bring myself into that stadium is difficult. I feel like the, the Blackhawks being there would be a reason for me to go. Um, cause I, I really don't want to frequent that place at all for really any other reason. So trying to give myself, you know, just uh, the opposite side of the, uh, of the coin here. I don't know if I want to be running around Wrigleyville bars, um, per se, but I can see where that would be a, a good experience as well. Um, especially for a lot of people out there, the game day atmosphere without actually having to step foot in the stadium and, uh, you know, have a shitty view for a couple of hours in the, in the freezing cold, um, which is, is not inherently fun as it is, but, um, you know, these things don't come around very often, although I do feel that it's a novelty thing and you got to kind of pick and choose when you go and do it. Um, you know, there's part of me that thinks, you know, how much longer are they going to run this event if it doesn't include the Blackhawks and Connor Bedard for all the reasons that we just talked about with the TV ratings and all of these other uh, things that are going on. I've, I've liked this idea since they, you know, originally debuted it. Um, I'm hoping that they come out with a cool jersey for it. Uh, maybe bring back the original one that they played in at Wrigley Field. I think that would be sweet. Um, that's They're going to do th- a new one. They need to. Yeah, I know they always do a new yeah. one, but, um, you know, it, it's, it is what it is. Um, I've, I've got a decision to make on this one and, and maybe, you know, I'll be swayed in one way or the other as it approaches, but, um, I, I totally understand your sentiments here. Yeah. Uh, like I said, the physical just view of it. I don't know, man. It's, <laughs> it's, t- it's tough sledding, uh, for, unless you have, you know, the, the perfect and, you know, depends on the orientation of the rink. I would imagine it's going to be similar, uh, as it was in the past, but once again, those best view tickets will be gobbled up early and then resold for an extremely high price. So, um, that is what it is. All right. Um, let's get on to salt shaker also pertains to the winter classic, go and check the replies to any social media post about it and any other fan base that's crying about the Blackhawks getting another winter classic, playing in another outdoor game, having Connor Bedard. They are all the saltiest poured on them, poured on them. That's, that's what it's for. That's what they, edit of Connor Bedard that we have is for um, I didn't really go and scope any specific ones out Tony but there's plenty of vitriol being thrown towards Blackhawks and Connor Bedard saying oh boy he doesn't actually want to play there he wants to be in Vancouver I think it's hilarious that those uh, people are still holding on how are we that. still um, on this because he's from there that is quite literally the only reason that they're holding on to it so that's the salt shaker for this week I feel like we can pull up ones like this every week but um, with the winter classic news all the people detesting the Blackhawks. Once again, forgetting it, you are the recipient of our salt shaker. All righty. Let's take a look at what's on tap next, Tony. A couple of games coming up here. Uh, homestand continues Friday against the Rangers, 730 on NBC Sports Chicago. Nice original six matchup uh, to kick off the weekend. And then on Tuesday, uh, they'll have Vancouver, another top team here coming in, uh, 730 on NBC Sports Chicago as well. Uh, tough stretch of games here. These opponents are both you know near the top of the league here. Um, it's going to be... <laughs> I mean, we just saw, you know, can't really get much going against teams that are middling in the Minnesota Wild, the Calgary Flames before break, the Seattle Kraken. Now you're playing cream of the crop. Uh, We've done predictions on the show so many times, and um, lately it's been not good predictions. It is absolutely pouring, and I'm getting a ton of thunder over here, Johnny. I don't know about you. That just was not something I expected in in the middle of February um, looking at this Rangers Vancouver. I don't, I don't see a way out of this with a victory. Nope. 
I'm going to go 0-2. I don't think they get a point either. I don't think they take either of these teams overtime. Um, might be looking at a little bit more competitive. I expect them to have more than one shot in the first period versus the Rangers. I would I'll hope. say that. Um, I feel like they could penetrate that a little bit better uh, because the Rangers aren't an especially excellent defensively structured team. I know they got some big bodies in Truba on the back end there. Um, however, I expect uh, Luke Richardson to have the boys a little bit more ready to go. Um, and he said that it doesn't affect him really, but maybe that 852 puck drop uh, resulted in a little bit of a slow start coming back from break. Um, that, that was a little bit weird on Wednesday. Random so timing. Expect a little bit, but at the end of the end of the game, when the final horn sounds, the results are going to be the same. It's going to be losses, and it's going to be a low goal total by the Blackhawks. I'm just hoping for two goals in one game, Tony. Hey, two goals in one game, that would be a great start. Um, I just feel that uh, it's it's not really going to happen until either we get extremely lucky or Connor Bedard is back because that's, uh, you know, we use the term straw that stirs the drink um, on the White Sox side a lot, I know, on Sox on tap, but um, Connor Bedard at this point is the straw that stirs the Blackhawks drink on offense. It really is. And if you're without Jason Dickinson, you're without a lot of these offensive weapons. I don't know where it's coming from. I, I yep. really don't know where it's coming from. You, you need a lot of luck. Um, yep. in order this to get is, bucks in the back of the net. Our guy, Ron Luce is not on the show, but I'll call back to um, something that he said during our mid season assessment. This would be a great time for the likes of Taylor Radish, his most disappoint, you know, biggest disappointment yes. uh, of the first 50 games to step up. This would be a good time for uh, Philip Kershev to step up and I'll give him credit. He had a nice rush to the net and he did set up that full, you know, goal, but um, potting a few more of them too. Um, and shit, maybe just some puck block too. hockey gods. <laughs> give us a bounce or two, maybe something from the point, you know, something that pinballs around uh, as uh, Eddie O would say. <laughs> Wouldn't it just be nice to celebrate a win or two here in February? Just a couple, you know, because yeah. it feels like we've really paid the price. Right. I, I, I know that uh, yeah. we, we want to secure that number one pick, but like, just like give us a couple wins we're, along the way, please. Yeah. We're, we're almost out of time here on this episode of the four feathers podcast. Appreciate everyone tuning in. My last question will be then, since we kind of already gave our predictions, expecting some losses here over these next two, will the Blackhawks win a game before Connor Bedard returns? That's really tough. That's really tough to answer. Uh, you could probably place a, a little bet on the, on no here. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to say that answer may be no, uh, Johnny. And I, I hope that's not the case. I hope, you know, I'm going to be in attendance on Friday night. I'm going to be rooting for him to win. Um, and, and hopefully they do, but you know, Rangers, Vancouver, um, what's, what's on the schedule after that? Yeah, I, got I, Ottawa is probably your best looking shot right yeah. now. Cause after that, that's when the Connor Bedard return window opens up, at least at that six week mark. Yeah, so you've only got a you've only got a couple more uh, matchups before you're in that window for him to get back here. It's it's insanely possible that they don't win another game until he's yeah. back. Right. Um, the other one in there, Penguins. Um, they're they're also a team that could possibly be one. Um, they, you know, they're not as um, you know, dominant as the likes of New York and Vancouver so far this year. So. We'll see what happens. Um, that's about all we've got for this episode. We appreciate everyone tuning in, jumping in the comments here. You can go and do that by subscribing on Hip Sportsnet on YouTube. Like us over on Facebook. And as always, visit on hipsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can find us on the socials at Four Feathers Pod at on Tap Sportsnet. All righty, Tony, that'll do it for this edition. Until next time, let's go. Let's Hawks. go, Hawks.